And we are much the same. We need support from others. We aren't designed by God to be alone. See, regulars at the bar understand this better than Christians and, the, and churches do sometimes. Think about it. The bar, regulars at the bar, you show up, same time, same place, same people, and everybody knows your name, right? I mean, it, it's a fun show, it's a fun song, but, but that's, that's the thing. Why? Why do they get this often better than we do? Besides the obvious of the alcohol, intuitively, they know that they need support. In-person, consistent support. The support of God's gathered family, the local church, get this, is infinitely better and infinitely more satisfying than the support that you could get at a bar. Here's why. Because we are drawing support from the best, most satisfying support, God himself, Jesus Christ. Amen? See, see, this is where we get our support. So today, I am pleading with you to make Jesus' church, and specifically to make Stonebridge Church and our family here, a support system that rivals and even surpasses anything you could find over at the Adobe Lounge. And no offense to the Adobe Lounge. I love their pizza. Okay? But I'm, I'm begging you today, let's make this a place where everybody knows your name. Let's make this a place where we can really find support. So we need support, and we need support in person. So let's look at some scripture. And we're going to hang out here for a while, so uh, you can just leave this one up here. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, it says, Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as is summer in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need support in person. The, the Greek word here for gather in this verse is an official assembly. So it's not like an informal running into one another at Walmart sort of gathering. It's an official get-together. And it's saying don't neglect the regular structured assemblies of, of God's family, of believers. So that here at Stonebridge Church, very practically speaking, this would be right here, right now, Sunday morning service. Um, it could be here, connection groups, Bible studies. If you're in third through fifth grade, Ignite. Um, on Wednesdays, if you're in sixth through twelfth grade, a forged youth group going on. But support starts with showing up. Support starts with showing up and showing up in person. See, COVID taught us that we all can interact and support each other in a way, to some degree, through a screen. Like that can happen and is happening right here, actually, as we speak. So I'm not trying to downgrade that. That actually is a thing and is supportive. Text messages. I mean, we, we feel supported by text messages all the time. So I don't, I don't want to downgrade this, right? Video Chats, I mean, all of those are a form of support for sure. But here's what else COVID taught us. It taught us that real, lasting support must be in person. Virtual support is only meant and only can supplement 
in-person support. Support starts with showing up in person, but there are real barriers to showing up in person, aren't there? I mean, you probably had some this morning. So let's talk about this for a second at our table. What are some barriers to showing up to church gatherings? Not just on Sunday morning, but other times that we get together with people in the body of Christ. What are barriers? Discuss. All right, well, I just want someone to be bold and shout out what were some of those barriers? Work, what else? Weather, kids. Well, yeah, yeah, lack of discipline. Health, sure, yeah. Mad at God, yes. Yeah, good. For sure, spiritual warfare. Burnout. It's never kept me from coming to church. In my mind it has. Um, But, (laughs) yeah. I didn't hear that. Um, what are some barriers? Uh, here's a huge barrier. Someone hit on this a little bit, and here's, here's one I thought of, and I think it's, it's habit or discipline. See, we, some of us got out of the habit, or, or maybe we were never in the habit, maybe because of COVID or whatever else in life, 
We just got out of the habit of going to church or going to church things. And some of us need to commit for the first time or just need to recommit to the healthy habit of showing up. All healthy habits that we end up sticking to, we decide ahead of time. Think about it. I'm not going to work out tomorrow unless I decide today when and how I'm going to work out. Okay? Maybe you can. I can't do it. If I'm going to give money to God, if I'm going to tithe, and I don't decide how much before I get my paycheck, I'm not giving any. Because I'm not going to have any left over like we often tell ourselves. See, habits or disciplines need to be decided ahead of time. So what if we just decided today? What if you decided today? What if your whole household decided today? We're just, we're just going to show up to church every Sunday. Like we're going to make this a habit. We're going to go to connection group. No matter what happens, we're going to show up or to this Bible study, no matter what, whatever it is. I think another barrier um, is other good things coming up. Okay, Wrestling meets on Sunday morning, play practice on Wednesday night, uh, the NFL draft on Thursday night during connection group. I mean, th- those, are, those are real and, and aren't necessarily bad things, right? So the struggle's real, but, but what's more important to you? See, we're talking about a value system. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, listen, For the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. See, Paul's saying other good things have benefits. But they have limited benefit. Godliness has more benefit and is more beneficial because it's good for this life and the life to come. So if you're a parent in here, hear me well. You set the tone for your kids and what they value now and what they'll value in 20 years. Do you realize that? Will your house and consequently their house one day value gathering together with other believers? Will they value the church or not? It's up to you. Do you value it right now in your home? They certainly won't if you don't now. And if they do, it will be all because of God's grace. See, if we, if we don't value the gathering of believers and the church now, then they're going to just start valuing these other things we're prioritizing over it today. Sports, brunch, comfort, whatever it is. See, we need support and we need it in person, physically, and it starts with committing to just showing up. Next, we see in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, that we need support through encouragement. I'll read it again. It says, let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So two helpful hints from God here if you don't feel encouraged in the family of God. Say, I'm just going to say that you're, you're walking in today and you don't really feel encouraged. Yeah, I'm sitting at a table with people, but I, I just don't feel encouraged by a family or this church family. And so I'm just going to start there for a second and go, here's some hints God would have for you if you're like, I'm just feeling discouraged. I'm not feeling encouraged in this church family. I would say, one, start encouraging other people. Be the solution. 
the first step to encouraging others, it says here in Hebrews 10, is to let us consider one another. So before you even do anything, start even considering that other people are around. There's a, a book that Heather read, and uh, I'm not going to take credit, but she shared this with me from this book, and the concept was this. Are you a there-you-are person when you walk into a room, or are you a here-I-am person? Like, is your mindset, oh, there's, there's Otis, and there's Kyle, and whoever, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what they're up to and how they're doing genuinely in your heart and in your mind, or you're like... Here I am, man, I can't wait to tell this, these people about this and this and this going on in my life. Not that there's anything wrong, but it's just like, what's our mentality with other people? It says to consider one another. We need to ask God for strength to care less and less about ourselves and more about the person sitting next to us and be a there you are instead of here I am person. And once you have that lens of there you are, it says to provoke love and good works. Provoke. What, what a strangely beautiful way to put that, to provoke love. My, my kids know, Joy knows this, she did it yesterday. If, if you want a reaction out of me, if you want to provoke me, tickle me. Okay? Hands off, but later, by the way. Personal space. But if you... <laughs> If you, if you want to provoke me, if you, if you want a reaction, you want to stir me up, you, you should tickle me, okay? My kids know that all too well. But it says here to provoke one another to love. Consider others who are with you at church gatherings in order to provoke them, to rile them up to love others. And the best way to provoke or to rile others up to love others is to love them first, yourself. Encourage them yourself. When you don't feel encouraged or loved much by others at church, start to show love and encouragement to others. Come early. Stay late. Ask questions. Listen. Really listen to people. Pray with and for other people. Put wind in someone else's sails today. And here's my challenge. Do that before you leave this room today. Encourage one another. Something incredible happens when you don't feel like encouraging someone else and you do it anyway. It creates a snowball effect. See, encouragement produces encouragement, produces encouragement. This is why at the end of verse 25 it says, do it all the more. Because if, if you do it, even when you don't feel like it, maybe especially when you don't feel like it, other people will do the same and it's a snowball effect. So I want to just pause right now and live this out. Robert Alley, if you could come up front. Where's he at? There he is. Come on up. So if you don't know Robert, Robert uh, went through our Home for a While program over here at the house um, and is doing great. Um, and yesterday, uh, he has been clean um, from drugs and alcohol for a year. So let's give Robert a hand. So, no, you stay here. So, I'm, I am super proud of you, man. And you should be so encouraged. And I've been, I prayed yesterday that we would be here in 10 years celebrating your 10 year. And then 20 and then 50, you know. So, and I believe that that will happen. But I also want 
to give you all a round of applause. And here's why before we do it. He didn't do this alone. There are many in this room who have walked side by side with Robert that have helped made that possible. So let's give ourselves a hand, so to speak. It took all of us, you know? Thanks, man. Proud of you. Thanks for letting me embarrass you, now that you had a choice. Don't worry. Not embarrassing anyone else today. So two helpful hints from God if you don't feel encouraged. We did the first one, start encouraging others, be the solution. Secondly, put yourself in a position to be encouraged. Now, you're, you're already thinking, that, that sounds kind of selfish. It's not selfish. You were designed to need other people in your life. You were designed to need encouragement. So the first question we already addressed, are you showing up physically, right? If you don't show up physically, kind of hard to get encouraged. But then, are you showing up vulnerably? Are you showing up honestly? See, countless people come to church and to church groups and gatherings and they leave mad and they leave disappointed and they leave feeling unloved. And some of that is straight up on me and on us. But some of it is on them. See, if you show up late and you leave early, you, you really, especially with the, with the loud music, everything kind of we have going on here, you, you really don't give yourself a chance to be encouraged or even said hi to. If you show up and you keep your conversations really surfacy and flat out, let's call it what it is, lie to one another about how you're doing, how's someone going to even know you need encouragement? And I, I try to live this out. I, when people ask me how I'm doing at church and, and just in general in life, I'm going to tell you how it is. And some people are caught off guard, especially at church by that. But do it. Catch them off guard. Show up vulnerably. You know, some people show up and, and they're completely silent. And I get, I get that. It's, it's hard to speak up. But especially in like a smaller group, it's not going to work. It, it, it's really hard to encourage you if you won't let others even get to know you or even hear your voice. Now, I know everything I'm saying here. I, I, I understand that being vulnerable is, well, vulnerable. People could dismiss it when you're honest, right? They could, they could misuse it or even abuse it. But let's commit to being a church, that doesn't dismiss it when other people are honest, that doesn't misuse that, 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 that doesn't abuse it, but rather welcomes it and celebrates vulnerability and honesty. See, I really believe that the greater risk than being vulnerable and perhaps being misunderstood is actually not being vulnerable at all and staying alone, stuck, and afraid. Put yourself in the uncomfortable position of being vulnerable, especially when you don't feel like it. This really is the road to freedom. It really is the road to healing. Perhaps you feel discouraged because you've hardly given other people a chance to encourage you. So put yourself in a position to be encouraged. And, and lastly from this scripture, 
kind of one helpful hint from God here if you do feel encouraged. Maybe you're like, that's not me, Matt. I feel pretty encouraged in this church family. Here is God's encouragement in my words from this scripture. Don't be a hoarder. Don't keep it all to yourself. Quit stockpiling all the encouragement for yourself and start giving it away. Just because you're encouraged certainly doesn't mean everyone else is feeling encouraged right now. I guarantee everyone else isn't. They need you. People here today need you to encourage them if you're feeling encouraged. The end of verse 25 says, And all the more as you see the day approaching. What day is this talking about? This is the day of Christ's glorious, magnificent return. And scripture, though, guarantees us that it is going to get worse before that happens. This world is going to get darker and darker and worse and worse. But here's what we're called to all the more. We need to let our light shine brighter and brighter and become even more and more and more encouraging because it is going to get dark. And if we don't have that encouragement, it's going to be really hard to walk forward. Our kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, is not of this earth. This community, this church is not of this world. As the world gets darker, we need to get brighter. And we can get this because we have the good news. Our Savior is not dead. He is alive. See, you always have something in your holster to encourage someone with. Because at bare minimum, even when life is terrible for you or for this other person, Jesus is alive, and if they are following him and and have committed their life to Christ, guess what? They have God himself, the Holy Spirit inside of them, the living Christ, and they have a future hope in heaven. You have something to encourage them with, with, to put wind in their sails. This is the good news. This is the gospel. We always have this at bare minimum which is not minimum. It can and should fill our tanks all the time. So be a conduit of encouragement. Don't be a hoarder. Next, we need support when we're struggling. And so I want to turn our attention to Galatians chapter 6. We need support when we're struggling with our own sin. Galatians 6, 1. This verse I'm about to read, you could chew on this your whole life, and it's really hard to live out. I'm still working on it. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Now I could... I mean, I could go on for for a good hour plus about this verse, but I'm going to distill it to to three things, three immensely important truths from this scripture. And the first one is this, and it might not be so obvious, but I want to show you that it's, it's quite obvious in here. An established relationship is a prerequisite for all of this. There's a reason I'm starting with this. An established relationship is a prerequisite to this. It 
It almost requires, without exception, a relationship before you start doing this. How could someone possibly be taken as gentle and restorative, which means helpful? How could someone be taken as gentle and restorative if they don't even know you? If you come to someone, you're calling them to the carpet and they don't even know you, good luck, especially in our culture right now. See, if you, if you see glaring sin in your brother or sister's life, even a brother or sister that's sitting here right now, that's in our church body, but all you know is their name and you don't have real relationship with them, take them out to lunch. Get to know them a bit. And don't take them out to lunch to call them to the carpet. Do it to build a relationship. Perhaps what they need most right now to deal with that sin is a friend. The issue may, be, may even take care of itself because what they needed was a friend and that really gives them the strength they need and perhaps they even just open up about it. Like it, it just t- kind of takes care of itself. All because you humbled yourself enough to just be a friend without jumping all over them. So first, immensely important truth, an established relationship is a prerequisite. Secondly, Ignoring glaring sin after a relationship is established is not an option. Ignoring glaring sin after a relationship has been established with someone isn't an option. See, you know the phrase you've heard before, I'm sure, only God can judge me? That is true in a way, right? He alone is the final, ultimate judge. But in the church family... Because of what we looked at a couple weeks ago in Matthew 18, God handed his church the keys. And so we have a responsibility, a stewardship to deal with glaring sin in a brother or sister's life. Now I know that what I'm saying right now to an unbelieving world is crazy. They find this to be judgy and out of line. And even the church world, polluted by the world and sin, often finds this to be judgy and out of line. But having and holding to biblical standards of any kind right now, especially for church leaders, easily creates the most problems within church families today. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have them. See, it often creates problems because it's not done in a proper manner, and we're going to get to that, and it's very much here in this scripture. We're going to get to that in a second, but first I just want to establish that ignoring a glaringly obvious sin, it says if they're overtaken in the life of someone that you have relationship with, that you're walking alongside in the church family, is wrong and actually unloving. But let's get to how to do this. The the third immensely important truth from the scripture is this. Attacking a brother or sister for their glaring sin isn't an option either. Ignoring glaring sin isn't an option, but attacking them isn't an option either. It's just as harmful as ignoring it. Attacking. This verse says, you who are spiritual. Look a couple verses earlier. Prior to this, in Galatians, in the end of Galatians 5, he's describing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Well, 
So it's saying, hey, if you are really walking with the Lord and in step with the Spirit and are full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, then you can do this. But if you're not, you're going to be a wrecking ball. You who are spiritual should restore. This means to help people get back on the right path. Help them. Saying to this person that you know and have a relationship with, I love you. I noticed this in your life. How can I help you now? And we do it with a gentle spirit. See, some ways to do this. You could humbly admit your own faults before you point out theirs. And, and maybe even point, point out your faults so that you can relate to them. You go, hey, I've been there before. Man, it, and it's tough. But let me help you forward. And then you help them feel, and this is more subjective, but it's important, right? But you try to help them feel that you are for them and you're not against them. And then you, you give them the benefit of the doubt. You ask clarifying questions. You don't just jump to conclusions. And then you help them identify the root or the heart issues, not just the symptoms. Hey, why are you doing this? What's going on beneath, beneath the surface? And then... You walk forward with them. You come up with a tangible plan to help them, how you are going to help them. Hey, I'm going to call you tomorrow and see how you're doing. I'm going to text you in a couple of days. I'm, we're going to meet up again. I'm, I, you know, we're going to, I'm going to help you have this conversation with this other person that's hard. Or I'm going to give you some resources to help you out or whatever. But they need to know that you are for them and not against them. Attacking a brother or sister for their glaring sin isn't an option. We need support when we're struggling with our sin. So, at your tables, I'd like you to discuss this. How have you experienced Galatians 6.1? The good, the bad, the ugly, the great, and everything in between. Go.
All right. I, I know that I just kind of dropped a bomb there, but you can continue later. So, in fact, I only have like, I don't know, a minute or two, and then you guys can discuss. So if you want to keep on that tone, that's fine too. But um, we need support not just when we're struggling with our sin. We also need support when we're struggling in general. And the next verse says this, Galatians 6, 2. Carry one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, this is why it's so important to be encouraging each other more and more and more. See, there, do, you, do you realize that there are people here today who have heavy, heavy, heavy burdens? And there's a million ways to carry one another's burdens, to live out Galatians 6, 2. But God has given us, me, you, all of us, the responsibility to carry other people's burdens. With that said, how have you experienced Galatians 6, 2? Discuss. All right, 
I'm going to cut you off there, and if you want to continue discussing at the end of the service, you're more than welcome to, to hang out and linger. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you so much for the encouragement and support that we have from one another, and I pray that we would experience it more and more and more as the day draws near when you will return. I pray that you would show us some tangible ways to carry other people's burdens. I thank you, Father, that we're not alone. I thank you, Father, that you've given us the church, the gathering of your people, to remind us of what's true, to anchor us, to support us. And we thank you, Lord, that you are committed to your church, your bride for eternity. Nothing ever can separate us, not just me individually, but us from your love that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.